Yay, we're live! Finally! Hey, everybody! Sorry about those technical difficulties. Uh, we, we're going to blame it on LinkedIn. Sorry, LinkedIn, but that's what Yeah, I'm we are. <laughs> they hate me. Jess can relate. I can see you out there, Jess. No, we love LinkedIn. Oh, Valeria, thank you. I'm so excited for you to be here. It's so Yay. exciting to get today, guys. Shanda and I are so excited. First of all, I'm getting ready to introduce our guest, but I'm so sad because I didn't even realize, Jake, you and I weren't connected. We're not connected. I swear we were. I thought we were too. Um, today, our guest is Jake Alba. He is with Sandler Training. Um, he's a, your consultant at Sandler Training. Is that what it says? Yep. Yep. And um, the first time I ever met you or really spent time with you was during a live cold call with Rev Genius. Okay. And so for some reason, I thought we were connected then but we're not so we will be are we'll you <laughs> y'all are in all the same groups and everything so that's just wild it is yeah. wild it's probably because i spammed him with dms i don't know maybe <laughs> i'm trying to think if i ever did that but i don't think i did but you never know <laughs> yay oh, peter's here peter peter is hiring you guys before okay album, everybody seriously mm -hmm. if you have the opportunity to work with peter skidmore for med rep meeting I recommend it. He is, I would work for him. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just not, it just didn't work out for me specifically what I was looking for at the moment, but that there's so much to be learned. But what I love about Peter the most is that his whole focus is on his team and the team's success. And they, they succeed together as a team and they go down together as a team and all that stuff. So that's pretty awesome. So anyway, so today we have Jake with us and he is such an exciting person to have to chase away the sunday scary y'all mm -hmm. oh nathan thank you that's so sweet well thanks for dropping by jake is a consultant for sandler training if you guys don't know what sandler training is sandler training is probably one i mean it's one of the top sales trainings that you can my get. favorite yeah i've been through sandler training a couple different times through different industries it's it's it doesn't just work only in SaaS sales. It's a, it's sales training, so it's not just about SaaS, right, Jake? Yeah, correct. So I thought I did it when I was in. Um, I'm pretty sure we did Sandler training when I worked for Deco Light, and we definitely did Sandler training, and that was that turned out to be B to C, which I did not know, but that was what that was. <laughs> and then in in new home sales, um, I did some Sandler training as well. So it's really great training if you guys are looking for any training, but. If you find a company who tells you that they use Sandler training, then that's a really good indication that you might want to work for that company because we'll talk about this a little bit more, but there are a lot of good signs as to whether or not a company is a company that you want to go all in with and work with. Mm -hmm. And to me, companies that care about enablement of their people, their salespeople, those are the companies you're looking for. So companies like Peter, who with med rep meetings, who care about teaching and enabling and coaching their reps. It's awesome. So Jake, welcome. Thank you for being yeah. here. Thanks for having me. And what a kind intro. I feel like I, people are going to think that I paid you to say all of that, but I didn't. Yeah. I really love Sandler. <laughs> That's <laughs> no, really excited good. To be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. The first time I met you, I'll never forget, was on during the Rev Genius live cold calling. Yeah. It was the first time I'd ever done it. And I think it was in like September. Yeah. And yeah. You were killing it that day. I mean, mm -hmm. just, I think you booked two meetings. I'm almost positive you did. And I, I, I didn't have a lot of answers, but I got stuck listening because I was just so enthralled listening to your, 
to your whole thing. And you were selling Sandler at that time. That's what you were selling, I think. Yeah. Coaching yeah. or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you not do that anymore? Do you just consult for them or are you at NAE or? No, same thing. So I wear many hats, but uh, I also still have a quota on top of all the other stuff that I do. So uh, I very much do the full sell cycle. Um, but I also set appointments for myself, right? Continue to feed my pipeline and do everything from A to Z. And then it falls into the customer success, customer management side of things too. Cause I try and keep my clients around and, uh, make sure they're happy, right. And successful. You know, I love that is, that is the, um, probably my favorite type of a sales position. Um, we talked about this a little bit before we came on, but it's true. I, I definitely miss that being an SDR. I like it. But if I'm being 100% honest, it's like not fueling my my fire. It doesn't It's not what I'm passionate about. And the reason why is because I'm very focused on the customer and their whole experience. And so in the past, like when I was in medical device reps or new home sales, it's like a whole cycle. And like you said, it's the whole cycle. Even after they buy, you still keep selling, right? Like it's still going. And um I think that's really exciting. So maybe we can start there. Um, we have a lot of people with us. We're here to chase away the Sunday scaries. Mm -hmm. That means a lot of things to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Right now, a lot of people, it means they're looking for a job. And it's freaking scary in the middle of a job search when Monday comes around. Wait a minute. I Wait saw that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't even read. Anyway, keep going. Um <laughs> Anywho, so if anybody appreciates you're looking it, for a Jake, job, Jake knows. Yeah, <laughs> if you're looking for a job right now, like Sunday nights suck, guys. I'm sorry, but but it it shouldn't suck because get excited about it. Like this is exciting. You guys are on the you're on the brink of finding your next career and your next job and your next thing. So let's do it in a way that you guys are so excited so that when you make that announcement, it's exactly what you were looking for. Um, exactly. Jake has so much to share with us on how he, how we can do that. And one of the things we talked about from the beginning, when we were talking back before we got on was picking the right role. You know, do you want to break into SaaS sales? Yeah, that's awesome. And everybody's going to tell you that you got to start at the SDR BDR role, but that's not necessarily true. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on that, Jake, trying to figure out what's the best role for you in SaaS? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's kind of tricky because as we were talking before we started, um, I think the pandemic kind of created this weird dynamic for sales professionals in general. And uh, what, we, what we saw was all these really legit, like high-performing A-player sales reps getting cut from legit companies. And it's still going on to this day, right? So it's not like a new thing. True. And so what I've seen a lot of is we have these high-talent, overqualified people that kind of get pigeonholed into the SDR role because a lot of tech companies feel like you have to start there and prove yourself and then kind of move up the ladder from there. And so it can be a very frustrating experience if you've done that before and you've been a manager and or a director and now you find yourself stuck in an SDR role. And so I guess maybe we can discuss some of the best ways to, to get through that transitional period and how you can do so, so you can still accomplish your dreams. But I think a lot of that stems from just really good conversations, even in the interview process mm -hmm. with your management team or whoever you're going to join and kind of envision what they have planned for you and make sure that your goals for your future align with kind of what the company goals are. And then you can kind of figure out how to reverse engineer those and map those out together so that you're kind of moving on the same trajectory. Well, that's a, 
That's a really good point because there's so many different SDR, BDR roles. And so you might think, oh, this is a perfect fit for me. But then when you talk more about what the expectations are of the job or what they especially want you to do, it may or may not be a really great fit. That's a good, good point. What kind of, how early do you think you should be asking those questions, Jake? And like, should you wait to it for an interview or would you suggest reaching out to people in the company that are doing those jobs and, and kind of get a better idea? What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're waiting to the interview process, you're probably going to be behind the game. So I think you can do a lot of pre-call planning. And uh, what I mean by that is just asking really good questions, figuring out kind of what are the key points or topics you want to understand of that given role. And so what I would encourage new reps to do or reps that are experienced with sales is to start reaching out to the team, whoever your direct report's going to be, maybe his boss on LinkedIn. And I would even uh, suggest reaching out to current BDRs that are there with the company now mm -hmm. and ask really good questions and start kind of doing your discovery and or I like to call it investigation, right, of the company <laughs> to make sure that they're going to be a good fit. And so I definitely think that you should start as soon as you can um, but it's kind of hard to do if you're just blasting out resumes and trying to get a job, especially if some people need a job in a pinch. So I would definitely prioritize the top companies that you want to work with, maybe in a list of five or 10, and then really prioritize those from like, this is my favorite, this is where I'd really like to go, but then have backup plans. And instead of doing all of that really difficult pre-call planning and reaching out immediately, um, maybe you create that list first. That way you have more direction and you're, you're kind of going in a, in a good path uh, based on some type of structure as opposed to just kind of wild, wild west. Here I go. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so true, though, because if you're in a wild, wild west approach, it then when you try to kind of regroup, you don't really know where to go. So I, you know, I've talked about this with AP a lot and, um, oh, look, yes, what's the difference yeah. between the spray and pray and the sniper approach. And we've talked about this before with AP in our morning coach, when we do our Sunday morning, like our morning wake up or stand ups with the sassy sales moms. And for job seekers, I recommend like make your list of 10 companies that are your dream company. Now that shouldn't end with that list because that's what you think is your dream company. But until you do what Jake is saying right now, it may not even be. It, it, you know what I mean? Like, I'll be honest. When I first started thinking about breaking into SaaS, my list of ideal companies was completely different mm -hmm. from what my list of ideal companies is today. Like, 100% different, right? So that's. So what do you think is, the, is, is it some good ways to not go, like... I think the reason why people do spray and pray is a confidence thing. So they just think, okay, I, I need to get a lot out there because maybe people aren't going to like me, but somebody will. So I'm or they're FOMOing, yeah, or they're FOMO or whatever. Um, what do you what do you think is a good way to to narrow it down? Yay! Hi, Mark. How are you? <laughs> what do you think would be a good way to narrow down those companies? Or or when you talk about doing the research, like. Is there, do you have any advice to people when they're trying to figure out like what companies are looking for or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I would treat it it's very similar to your sales funnel, right? Uh, initially, you cast a pretty wide net because you're trying to capture your audience. Mm -hmm. And so I would treat it the exact same way as if you were trying to like have a specific TAM that you're reaching out to. And then I would build upon that. And so it's really about de risking your situation, right? 
and understanding kind of what you want to see and what you don't want to see. And so I guess an analogy we can use is if anyone's ever been apartment shopping before, <laughs> have different amenities, right? That you're like, all right, these are must-haves. These are things that I absolutely have to have. If they don't have a washer and dryer, then I'm out. And so I would, I would say create a list like that, similar, right, of amenities you'd like to see. What does the culture look like? What does the onboarding and training look like? What tools do they give their reps to be successful? Um, what does the coaching look like? Ongoing coaching and training from leadership teams. And then you can really build out a list of kind of your dream job or dream things you'd like to see. And if they have the majority of those amenities, right, then you know you're going down the right path. Yep. Now, Jake, have you ever used RepView? I've heard about RepView recently. I didn't get to use it because I heard about it after I, I had my job um, that I got. But I've heard a lot of people use RepView. Have you heard about that or do you use that at all? I have heard about it, but I have not used it personally either. But any tool you can use to do good research and gather data and uh, if it's going to help you to land a gig, then I would highly recommend it. So I'm not sure if you used it at all, Chanda. I yeah. have. Um, it depends on the company, too. So if there's not a lot of interaction from the people who've worked there, because it's based upon them actually reporting what they're oh. different, they have to actually disclose that information. And I know with one company specifically, I know that all of those reviews were highly, highly skewed because mm. I... Really I worked with those people, and I'm like, this is lies. So you have to be really careful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so be really careful. But yes, it should be a good tool. It's meant to be a good tool. But I know with one company specifically, it's highly skewed. So you just have to go in knowing that and weigh it out and filter through. Yeah, I think you know the other thing about it is is that even if it's not like with so many changes that have been happening and, and layoffs and all the things that are going on in this industry right now, some of that, some of that might not be as accurate. You're right, AP, like they're not going to be some of the small startups won't be on there. The bigger ones will be on there. But what I think is impactful when I've been to RepView is to notice how many companies where so many SDRs are not hitting their goals. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if, in my personal opinion, there's no reason why you shouldn't at least check because if the company that you're interviewing for is on there and you go and find out that they that nobody hits goals there, then that's a pretty big red flag. You know, like and yeah, maybe you're like the best salesperson ever. And of course, you're going to crush your goals. But it would suck really bad if your first job in SaaS sales isn't even achievable. Right. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a moment. I think that's yeah. a great subject. So why do you guys think that? maybe nobody's hitting quota. Like I'm sure we've all been in that situation where we join a company and they told you in the interview process that, yeah, everyone's hitting quota or obtaining it. Everyone's crushing it. Then you get in there and it's just a nightmare scenario where you don't even know where these numbers came from. And all of a sudden everyone's scrambling to even hit their quota. So what are some factors, I guess, that you guys have seen that can attribute to these bizarre numbers or, or people not really hitting their quotas? Well, that's a good point. Mark actually had a good question, too. If nobody's hitting goals anywhere, then what's the difference? <laughs> um, you know, that's true. I think I have a lot of opinions as to why people aren't hitting their goals in SaaS sales. So I don't necessarily want to share all of them because I'll look so weird. Yeah. But but, <laughs> but that being said, I think I think part of the problem is that when we're in a, in a, in a, a financial economy. Hello, Sean. Sean. <laughs> When we're in a financial situation that we are in right now, companies, especially startups and people who are VC backed, have a tendency to 
to resort to what they feel comfortable with, which is KPI. It's KPI mm -hmm. driven. And, and so they're like, crap, we have to figure out, like, we have to show the investors that we're doing something. So we have to make 600 phone calls a week and we have to send out 500 mm -hmm. emails and we have to do this many LinkedIn touches. And as a result, you lose the, the actual process that you learned on, on actually how to be a human and connect with people and find a problem and help them solve it, you know? And so for me, I think that that's part of the problem right now in, in SaaS sales is that we got a lot of people who are like, they don't know, like they want to, they want to sell the right way. They want to teach the right way, but it's so easy to revert back to all we can focus on our KPIs. Mm -hmm. And the KPIs are just crazy that they're, you're so focused on getting these unattainable daily goals that you can't focus on how many meetings you're setting. Cause all you care about is, Oh my goodness, I didn't make 500 dials today. Yeah. And you know, I know what it takes to do that. And, but if you don't have a power, yeah, dialer, it's not going to happen. You say 500 dials. Come on. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have a power <laughs> dialer, it's not that hard, but if you no. don't have one, it ain't going to happen. There's no way. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that just gives me a headache. Five hundred dollars. But honest. if you have like you know the power dialer that's doing five dollars at a time, you know you can knock that out mm. in two or three hours, super fast. Yeah, but not everyone's a machine like you, Shanda. So. <laughs> See, I was just gonna say, <laughs> not everybody wants to do that. Like, I would rather call than do emails. I've I've said that well, multiple times. So that's like, a really good point. Emails make me cringe. I'm like calling Jake, going, I don't know what to say. You need to send me a template because. You know, I'm boogered over here and he will, he'll send me a template. He'll be like, okay, you need to do this, this, and this, and this is how you need to plan. And this is how you're going to conquer these different fears that you have. And then we go from there. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think you brought up a really good point though. And that is not everybody. Okay. Not everybody's a cold call killer. Not everybody's an email like fanatic. Like not everybody right. is good. Like I suck at emails. Right. I'm good at cold calling, but apparently I'm not as good at cold calling when I'm an, S an SDR as I am when I'm a full cycle person. And I don't know what that's about, but I'll figure that out. But I think that that's some questions you need to ask on your interview. What mm -hmm. are, what are the requirements? What are the expectations every day of an SDR? So how many phone calls are you expected to make? How many emails were you, you know, because that'll give you a good idea as to what, you know, they, they're looking for, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, what What do you think, Jake, is the reason why people are hitting quota? I think a lot of times new companies, especially with this tech just growing out of control, um, is they just really don't know what their mm -hmm. goal should be, right? And especially okay. if you're you're getting investments, right, then you have all this pressure from these people that are lending money, right, to be like, hey, we need to see these results. And so it gets to be kind of a scary situation. But um, I think in your interview process, you should kind of ask what those numbers are, and then you can even reverse engineer them on the call with the person just to be very clear. So let's say someone's like, oh, we need to have X amount of calls per day, mm -hmm. and we're expecting at least two to three appointments set from those calls. And then you're like, okay, so if I'm doing this behavior, which is the calls, then I should expect at least two, three, or four appointments set on a daily basis. And then you can kind of reverse engineer a quota. So let's say they have 12 to 20 or whatever it is for the month. Then you can really determine whether or not it's realistic to actually achieve those numbers. And so it's always good to get as much data as you can about the roles and responsibilities, kind of what the department, uh, the company department and culture looks like, 
what their work style is, what the company goals are for the next fiscal year, the next six to 12 months, because then you can kind of take that data and really build upon that to see if what they're asking of you as an individual is actually achievable. And then if it's not, then there may be some red flags there. But also it's important to do your research, right? Reach out to SDRs that work there. Reach out to other AEs. Reach out to the manager or managers that have been there previously and kind of pick their brains and get the real data behind what's actually going on. That's and that's a really good point. Um, I will say, and I don't know if you have any advice about that, but I will say recently I've had a couple people reaching out to me to interview. I mean, not to interview, but to, to find out a little bit about what my company does and all that kind of stuff. And just as a note, you guys, it's really like it's a great thing to do. But just keep in mind that when you are reaching out to SDRs who are currently doing the job that you want, give them some grace because one they, you don't know what their capacity is as far as LinkedIn and, and how much time they spend on LinkedIn or what they're doing. But if they don't respond to you right away, or if like, you know, they don't want to meet, it's not because it's like personal against you. Just understand that we're all doing our own thing. I think it's, I don't know about you guys, but I have been inundated with a lot of that. Yes. And I, I love meeting, you know, I love meeting. I coach people all week long. Like I love coaching people, but but it's, it's becoming overwhelming for me. And so mm -hmm. just don't take it personal. Like if someone doesn't get right back to you, but also do your homework, like try not to do those generic emails. Hey, Julie, I see that you work for so-and-so I'm thinking about interviewing for so-and-so. Can I meet with like, that's just too, it's too, it's too generic. Like say something that makes that SDR know that you care about them, not their company and you're getting a job. Like you care about, you're interested in like what they're doing and, you know, because you would like to get to know them a little bit more for the job. I don't know what you guys think or if you have any advice on that, but I've been getting hit this week with that stuff. There's been a lot. There's definitely been a lot. Yeah, I think it all comes down to messaging. And uh, if someone like reaches out and they're like, hey, I know that you're busy. Um, I'm really interested in this position. I'm applying for it. I would love your help to get some additional insight and or input on whether or not you think that I would be a good fit and just having a good delivery and maybe message. But I love what you said and have it be relevant, right? Like maybe comment on something you saw in their LinkedIn post, if they're crushing it or if they're doing well and kind of create that, uh, that essence of, Hey, I'm, I'm on your side. Let's go at this together. Right. I think that builds a lot of value. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off Chanda. No, it's okay. <laughs> There's a lag. So, you know, I'm sure I'll cut you off accidentally later, but it's just, you know, life's busy and, you know, I don't know about y'all, but December was really, really busy. It was in a year. It was in a quarter. It was all the fun stuff. And I was super, super busy and I have kids and, you know, there's elf on the shelf and Christmas <laughs> and Hanukkah and there's the whole shebang. And so I just, there wasn't enough left of me to really get to those questions. January is different. I'm hoping to be able to help people more than I did last month. So you just, you have to keep it all in perspective of what's going on with people's lives. I think that's important too. And the other thing I would caution everybody, because this, this has happened before, not to me, thank God, but um, I heard about it that just recently happened to a friend and they, as they were working with another SDR to kind of try to get the job, that SDR got let go. Ugh. 
And so, you know, not everybody is like me who broadcast my whole freaking life all over the social media. So you might not have known that, you know what I mean? Like some people don't even take it off. Like they're really hurt at first. So Mm -hmm. just, I say tread lightly and just use everybody, just think about how you'd want to be treated in anything. And like Sean Hurd says, you do not want to be a high maintenance candidate. Like you don't want to be, the whole point of meeting these people is to find out more about the job, right? Mm -hmm. To see if it would be a good fit for you. And the last thing you want is for them to be like, yeah, yeah, I met with Julie because she was so annoying. Like she just bugged me and bugged me. And all she wanted to do was meet with me. And like, it was so annoying. You know, like you don't want that. Um, Not that you're like annoying any of you guys, but sometimes your urgency and your your passion and your drive can come across as annoying. That's why I was thinking maybe, you know, maybe Jake didn't didn't follow me because, or connect with me because I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually started breaking into SaaS sales. So I was so desperate for a job. I was literally like, it could be a masterclass in what not to do. If we go back through my email sent box, it was crazy. The spraying and praying was serious. Like, and what I would say to all of you guys is that performing under fear mm-hmm. is never your best performance. And so like you had mentioned earlier, Jake, about having an abundance mindset, you have to believe that you're going to get the job that is the best job for you. That is going to come. And in order for that to happen, you have to believe it. And don't go into every interview situation desperate for any job, you know, go into it finding you want to find the right fit. Um, This is the last time you don't want to do this again in two months. Right. So my my thought. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, we talked a little bit about interview questions and things like that to ask, but I'd love to kind of go into that a little bit more because Jake, if you guys have never heard Jake on the phone, it is. Oh my gosh. He's so good. It's beautiful. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like all inspiring. So this is where you grab your notepads. Yeah. So the one thing that makes him so good on the phone is his ability to ask questions that are just great like people want to answer them they just feel like they're you know they have to answer so do you have some good questions or things that you think people should be asking during interviews to the people they're interviewing with yeah absolutely um you guys are you guys are speaking too highly of me again so (laughs) uh i'm getting a little flushed but uh, (laughs) no i appreciate that um so yeah i think um one of my biggest tips is is this and you can write this down if you want um if we don't want to be treated like the typical salesperson we can't act like one in other words if your competition does it stop doing it Mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is you can't be like every other sdr applying for the job like you want to be remembered you want to be different you want to do things that differentiate you from the crowd and I think uh, it's called that. That's just called a pattern interrupt, right? You want to be different. You want to make yourself kind of stand out amongst everyone else. And so, in doing so, I think you can do that by just asking really great questions. So one thing that we teach with Sandler, it's called an upfront contract. And really, all that sells is if you break it down, is an agreement between two people um, that they both walk away feeling happy with the decision that they made. And that's kind of what sales is. If you really boil it down to like the very fine like line of what sales is, it's like two people having a discussion and agreeing on something that they're both happy with and then they move forward, right? True. And so in order to establish that equal business stature and uh, to kind of 
make yourself stand out from the crowd, I would definitely implement what we call an upfront contract. Hmm. And it's just a mini upfront contract. And it sounds something like this, right? Hey, I appreciate you inviting me in. I know we have 60 minutes um, for this interview today. Um, you know, I'm sure the purpose of this will be to determine whether or not I'm a good candidate, but also I would like to determine whether or not your company can be the right resource for me. Um, you know, throughout this meeting, I'm sure that questions will come up. If you have any questions for me, are you okay asking them? And then the interviewee is going to say yes, or the interviewer is going to say yes. Then you say on the flip side, I might have some questions for you, even some difficult questions. Are you okay if I ask those today? And of course, they're going to say yes, right? And then, um, then you have the outcomes. All right. So, you know, let's say we get 10 minutes into this interview process and you determine or you just feel like I'm not going to be the right resource for your company. Are you going to be okay with just raising your hand and telling me, hey, let's stop the interview. I don't think this is going anywhere. And then you ask the reverse. On the flip side of that, let's say we get 10 minutes in and I just feel like you're not the right resource for me and it's just not a good fit. Are you okay if I stop the interview process and let you know I don't feel like you're the right resource? And they're going to say yes, right? And then you go one step further and you say, okay, so by the end of this meeting, is it safe to say that there might be one of two outcomes? The first outcome is a yes. You know, both of us feel comfortable. We want to move through the next process. And if that is the case, you'll explain to me kind of what that looks like. And then if, if it's anything other than a yes, we'll just call it a no for now. And uh, we'll still be friends, you know, uh, maybe you can refer me or I can refer you for other people to you guys. But are you, okay, are you okay if we spend the last five minutes of our interview today just determining which one of those two outcomes it's going to be today? And that's just like a mini upfront contract. And so I think that brings a lot of equal business stature and power to you doing the interview process. Yeah. And um, it just sets the tone, right? Because you're then saying, hey, I'm, I'm interviewing you just as much as you're interviewing me. If I feel like this isn't the right thing for me, I'm going to pull the plug because that's what they have the power to do to you, right? And so I think creating that equal business stature makes a big difference. And just by the end of that meeting, you're going to have a, hey, a yes or a no. And there's no like weird ghosting. And I don't know how many people have interviewed, right? And then you just never hear back. And then five weeks later, you get that dreaded email hey, we've gone a different direction. Thanks for applying, right? That's the worst thing that can happen. It is the worst thing that can happen and not to be rude about it, but if, if it does happen to you, then then we need to work on your interview, right? Like if you're, if you're leaving an interview thinking things went okay, right? Or pretty good, or you might get another interview and then you randomly get an email, you get ghosted and you get an email saying you didn't get the job. For the most part, that means there's some opportunity with your interviewing process. And- mm -hmm. It, it sounds like what you're saying, Jake, would be awesome. I know a lot of people in sales are conditioned or they feel like the right thing to do is to close at the end of the thing. And we talked about this last week, and I always do talk about this because, you know, it is important to do that. But if you do what you suggested, then you don't have to hard close at the end. You know what I mean? Like if you do it at the beginning, then there doesn't have to be an awkward like, well, is there anything about me that would prevent you from moving me to the next step? I mean, I can say that over and over and it does work, but not always. Like if you make someone feel really uncomfortable and you say that to them, what they're going to say is no, not really. No, actually, it seems like everything's pretty good. It looks like you're for the most part, it seems like I, I, I'm probably going to want to move you forward. They're going to give you all these like probably, maybe, yeah, looks like it. It looks like, but there, but if you don't set the tone like you suggested, I think 
then you put yourself at risk for that not being an honest answer. Right. Yeah. What do you think it is about interviewing that causes people to feel like they have to be different than who they really are? Like they have to play a game. Um, I think confidence and conviction are the two main factors. Um, and it's kind of funny because I feel like you don't really know a person after an interview. And I've done a lot of interviews. A huge part of what we do is we help find A players and we place them in the right slot for companies, right, that we know they would have a big impact in. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because one of my questions that I always ask, and I'll tell them up front, I'm like, tell me a little bit about yourself. I don't care about your resume. I have your resume. I've seen your LinkedIn. Don't tell me about any job history. He like, literally says this. Tell me about <laughs> like, what can I know about you? Right. And nine times out of 10, guess what they tell me? They talk about their job history. They talk about their LinkedIn. They talk about their experience. I don't care about all of that. I want to know the real you. And that's what I'm trying to get to the root of. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's important for people that are interviewing to listen to what the interviewer, the interviewer is saying. Right. And then try and really articulate or get across like what they're trying to ask you. And I think that's going to give you a lot of power and leverage. Um, But yeah, you have to find that confidence and you have to have that conviction that, Hey, I'm the best person for this job. I'm going to help you to crush quote. I know I'm confident and capable of my, um, my abilities. And I know that any role that you put me in, I'm going to crush it and I'm going to do better than anybody else. So you have to have that mindset and mentality going into it or else it's going to be very difficult to have that come through when you're talking. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just like in sales, like you're interviewing for a sales job, so it makes sense. But when you sell and you're, and you're not confident or you have quota breath or whatever it is, like a prospect can tell within seconds. Like I, I love cold calling. I talk about it all the time. But I've been sucking at cold calling lately. And the reason I've been sucking is because my confidence level has been going down and down and down. So every time I get on the phone, it's worse and worse and worse. And so I finally like had to have like a big, you know, one-on-one with my manager, Ryan. And he was, he's awesome. And, you know, we talked about a lot of things and we we talked about a lot of things to kind of rebuild my confidence. And then when I got back on the phones within, within right after that meeting, you know, I booked a meeting. I booked a meeting. And the reason why it didn't change anything. It was the same stupid script. It's the same 25 years of cold call experience I've ever had, but it was my confidence. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden I needed some Cardi B. I needed to believe in myself again. I needed to be be the cold calling machine. I say that I am. And you know what I mean? So it's the same with interviews. Like if you go into the interview, like, God, I hope I get this man. I've been interviewing for months and I keep getting shot down and dang, what could I say to make them want me? Like there's nothing, there's nothing you can say to make them want you if you don't believe it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> I got to talk to that kid. Yeah. Mark, I, I have poor Ryan. He, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a case when it comes to that. He didn't know it was me who didn't tell him that was on me. That's another thing is ask for help. You guys ask for help. always like, my problem is, is that I'm starting over my career And so I want to be a manager. So I suck at asking for help because I don't want anyone to think I can't do this. Like Mm -hmm. if I can't do this, then how are they going to make me a manager? So that's stupid. That's stinking thinking. So it's the same. It's the same with interviewing, like ask for help. I think 
I don't know who said it, but somebody said something, I think Whitney or I think Whitney or Jess said something about role-playing with people, mm-hmm. interview role-playing. Do you recommend that, Jake? Or do you do you do that a lot with people who are interviewing? Interview role-playing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, role-playing is one of the best ways to actually have someone get better and, and be able to actually see the nuances or the things they're doing incorrectly and correctly. And so that's a big part of what we do. We call them call debriefs and call grading. And we do those on, on you know, appointment set calls as well as discovery calls and even demo calls. And so I think if you can do that type of interview training, but also record it and then create some type of debrief or grading sheet so both of you can go through it together, have the candidate grade themselves, and then you grade them as well. Um, and it's, it's a tool that will help you grow exponentially and very quickly um, just based on being able to see um, what you're doing. Yeah. And I think role-playing, you know, for, for interviews is such a big deal because when you, when you are nervous about something or something's really important to you, sometimes things don't come out the way they normally would come out. And so when you role-play it, just verbalizing thoughts and ideas of the way you want to present yourself will help kind of give you like a practice and so that when you do say it in front of like the person where it's very important it doesn't come out all jumbled and you know not impactfully I guess would be the case but that's I love role playing so I think I told you guys I worked in medical device sales I one of my favorite things about medical device and pharmaceutical sales is they're obsessed with role playing in fact at all of our conventions we would have role play contests and you're looking at your girl here is a contest (laughs) I can win a role play (laughs) you know but that's also acting so that's why that is the case but but role plays help and uh you do have to do it so those are some awesome interview questions um I think it really, but the setting up that contract, Jake, that is really cool. Like that's, um, you know, I remember that from Sandler training too, that mini contract. So I, I think, I think you guys need to practice that though. Don't try to throw out a mini contract without practicing that. Do you agree? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Definitely practice that. Um, And there's a few, I guess, topics you can remember. So it's just appreciation, time, purpose of the meeting permission to ask questions, and then outcomes. And obviously, you don't have to say it verbatim like I did, but just come up with kind of those components of your upfront contract as you're interviewing, and it's going to make a big impact. Because then you're just cutting through the fluff as well. It's like, hey, I'm here to have a real conversation. I don't want to waste my time interviewing 20 times and meeting with 500 people and going through all the hoops, right, if this is never going to amount to anything. So let's have a candid, real conversation. Both of us will be okay at the end of this meeting saying, hey, I think this is going to work or I don't. And that way you can disqualify or qualify them very quickly and keep the people that are actually going to help you progress through your career in your pipeline in terms of, right, here's my top 10. All right, this person said no. Now I have my top nine, but add an additional company in there, right? So you still have your top 10. Right. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Going into an interview like that and realizing it's not a good fit, it just mm-hmm. means you're closer to the good fit, right? It's just like in sales. Like, I don't have a problem with a good no on a phone call because then I'm not going to exactly. keep bothering them anymore. You know what I mean? Like, that way we can all, we can, like you said, we can part ways in a, in a respectful way and maybe mm-hmm. refer each other in the future or who knows. So that's smart. I like that. So let me ask you what your thoughts are. We have a lot of people asking us, 
what's the best way to reach out? Like when you find, so you got your list of 10 and you're, you're like, I'm in and I've, I've met with these people and I'm, I really want to get this, this interview. And it's not easy, right? Like to get the interview. Do you have any thoughts on the best way to kind of reach out to the hiring managers or people like that? And so are you talking about like outreach, whether it's phone call, voicemail, email, text, or just like, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, we've already discussed the fact, I think we all agree, raise your hands. If we all agree that just blindly LinkedIn, easy imply apply is not good. That's not it. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> easy, easy imply is, is not as easy as it looks. And yeah. so, yeah, I think as like SDRs or salespeople, right. We're kind of like the best, um, um, private investigators in the world because we can find details that most people can't, right? And we can link people to other businesses and whatever. And so I think if you have the desire, right, and you want to get in touch with a person, um, there's no wrong way to do it. But I would say LinkedIn is going to be huge. Um, some of the best people that I've actually hired in my past um, were people that reached out to me directly. And they, they reached out to also my SDR team. At the time, I was a director for SDRs. So they reached out to me. They reached out to my SDRs. And they also reached out to my VP and the owner. So they yeah. had a multi-prong attack, right? Nice. And uh, they actually ended up meeting with some of the SDRs. They met with my VP and they met with me. Obviously, the owner didn't have time. But um, it was really cool to see his willingness to actually do that. And he'd never had an SDR job in the past. And so for me, I was like, ah, it seems kind of iffy. So I got on the phone with him and um, I was just like, I, I can't endorse you to move forward in our interview process because it was just not great. And I was like, let me give you some pointers. <laughs> then what I was willing to do is I scheduled another hour and I was like, I'm happy to give you some free coaching and training. Awesome. Um, and so we had scheduled another time and I said, change these things. And this guy was really incredible. His name's Austin Yang. If he's on on LinkedIn listening or seeing this, um, huge shout out to him because what he did with the notes that I gave him. So I told him how I would do my my um, cold call script because a lot of companies were asking to see that. And I also kind of told him like what things I would tweak and what I would do. And this kid like literally like annotated everything I said. Wow. He then studied it and then he implemented it. And it was funny because a few weeks later, um, he was like, hey, I've worked on these things. Is it OK if we meet? I then met with him again. And I was like, wow, I was like, this progress is incredible. I was like, based on what I'm seeing now and your desire and your hunger to just get in with a company has really impressed me. And so I actually gave him a shot and I, I actually interviewed him for the SDR team. We hired him on. And it was funny because my VP at the time and the owner, they were like, this is your call. Like, we don't know if he's going to be a good fit. And I was like, I'll back him a thousand percent. Awesome. He ended up doing awesome. Um, since then, now he's like an AE and he's just crushing his quota. So huge shout out to him. But I was very impressed with him kind of going outside of the box of the normal interview process, making the effort to reach out to everyone, to interview them, to get their insight. And then to implement the teachings that I had given him, it really impressed me. And so he stood out uh, above tons of other people that I was interviewing at the time just through his process and what he did. I mean, that's phenomenal. I think I hear this all the time. I don't know if you guys hear this, but I hear right now that what hiring managers are looking for is coachability, mm -hmm. um, work ethic, and grit. Those are the three things that keep coming up over and over and over again. And the reason why I think that is the case is because one, all three of those things are not things that you can really teach someone to do. 
You know what I mean? Like they either have work ethic or they don't. They either have coachability or they don't. And they have grit or they don't. But sometimes you can have all those things and still bomb an interview. Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen, you guys. Mm-hmm. Like just like you're going to bomb cold calls and you're going to bomb presentations and discoveries and demos. That's going to happen a lot. You're going to have an off day or an <laughs> off week. Like, but the fact race. that he did that showed mm-hmm. you this. Yeah. He's got what I need as a manager to lead, to lead him to success. And that's, is, is that what made you decide it? Or what do you think was the reason just because he yeah. all that? Yeah. So man, I don't know. A lot of times I follow my intuition and I feel like I have a pretty good read on people. So I'm like, all right, this guy's going to be able to crush it. <laughs> um, but also just, it really impressed me like what he was able to do. Um, especially outside of the realm. So we didn't even have a posting at the time for a job availability. But previous to that, we were hiring. And then after that, we were ramping up some more and hiring some additional uh, SDRs. Um, And so just the way that he stood out and his willingness to actually learn and do what I had taught him uh, really impressed me. So I knew I was like, all right, this guy is willing to put in the work. He showed me that. He's willing. He's adaptable. He's willing to like listen to constructive criticism. He didn't get upset with the things that I told him. And I was like, hey, man, that really sucked. You need to do better. Like, We've okay. had that conversation uh, a couple times. Yeah. And then he he did it and it was really impressive. And so kind of to answer that question, I don't think there's an incorrect way to reach out to somebody. I think the important thing is, is that you just use your tools available and reach out to multiple people within the organization. Because you're going to have a higher probability to connect with one of those. And once you have connected with one, then it's a much warmer opportunity to then connect with other people within the organization, especially if you have a good conversation with them. And there's a referral bonus and that other person wants the referral bonus, right? Then you have someone championing you through the process as well. Good point. I like the word champion because this is sort of the way that I, I love to get jobs. And that is, is when you meet with these, if you become the biggest fan of these people who are going to be your peers, Okay, Mm -hmm. so if you find these people that are going to be on your team and then you become their fan, like you really find out what they're doing and you really get out there and help them on LinkedIn, do all the things. Then when when you do get into the position of a job, they are going to be your champion. One, Mm -hmm. like like Jake said, they're going to want to make the money if there's a referral part from it. But two, like everybody likes to feel seen and appreciated. And as an SDR, like our role is hard. Right. And we don't get a lot of. I don't know. It's not that we don't get recognition. It's just that you get so much like, you know, turned down all day long. You're getting turned down most of the time. Right. Like, so it's nice when you have someone who's seeking you out and who wants like to learn from you. And so it's, it's not as hard as you would think, but if you make it about yourself though, they, they don't really care, but if you can make it about them though, that's awesome. Well, that's good advice, Jake, because I think a lot of people worry like, what if I'm not like Julie and I can't cold call the hiring manager or what if I'm not, you know, awesome at putting videos together and I'm, I'm intimidated. So I just don't, you know, I really encourage you guys not to freeze and, and not do anything like the worst thing you could do. Complacency is devastating is mm-hmm. a quote that I grew up learning when I was in early in my career. And that is true. It is sitting around because you're afraid isn't going to accomplish anything. So if you're afraid to cold call the hiring manager or you're afraid to send a video, you know, like Jake is saying, do what you're not afraid to do and just network and build relationships. Like, you know what I mean? Like get out there. And, and, and if you do have six or seven people at a company that you know 
that like you, that are learning more about you, then it's going to make it a lot easier probably to get in. So that's really great advice. That's awesome advice. So what is when you're, what is your suggestion about after the interview? So assuming that you did a good job with the contract, that that's not really as big of a deal, but what if you didn't, what if you forgot to do the contract or your contract didn't come out so smooth and now you're kind of like crap. Like, I think I did really good on this interview, but I didn't get a great like definitive answer. Is there anything you can do afterwards or do you have any advice on that? Yeah, I would say you can ask a few questions. If you know you kind of missed missed the target a little bit during the interview process, um, you can ask a couple of good questions before you end that interview. And then I always do like a pretty good follow-up email um, thanking them, right? Hey, thanks for your time. I appreciate getting to know you and the company. Um, and just be like a vulnerable, real person. Be like, hey, I feel like I missed the mark on this, this, and this. Is there any advice that you would have for me as I continue to interview? And that mm -hmm. might help me for the next stages of this interview process. Oh, I like that. Yeah, because then you're just being real, right? You're being like, hey, I noticed that I didn't do this so well. Is there anything that you noticed that you can help me with? And then you're asking for more of a consultative um, perspective as opposed to someone like just seeking the job, right? And being needy and, and whatever. So but also, I think you can ask some really good questions at the end of the process before they hang up. Because you know how interviewers always are like, hey, do you have any questions for me? Yeah. One of my favorite is, um, you know, I know you're meeting with a lot of people. Is there anything that I've said or done today that would cause you to pass on me and go with other candidates for this position? I like and it. You pause. You just pause. Wait for them to answer. And then I have a few others, but, um, you know, what can I contribute in my first 100 days with your company to make you feel that it was a good idea hiring me? That's a good one. I love that one. And, uh, yeah, so I think those are like my go-to, but come up with some really good questions that are different than what other people might ask, but make sure they're relevant and they actually are impactful and they make the person think, right? They have to kind of push that critical thinking on that person because if you catch them off guard, they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, like and it's going to kind of put you in that equal business stature again. Yeah, that's true. And then that the first question you asked that one every time for me works every time. Every um, time. And the, re the reason why I think is because one people love like they love being let off the hook like. Okay, so like you're letting them off the hook with that question because you're you're just putting you're like calling the elephant out in the room and you're saying, I didn't know that you're interviewing other people. And I know I might've messed up. What did I do here <laughs> that, you know, or whatever. And I, I like that a lot. So that's awesome. Um, and it, it's, it helps if you forget the contract because um, I like the contract better. Do you do that still? Even if you started off with a contract? Oh, so at the end um, of the, of the meeting, what I'll say is, all right, when we first met, both of us degree agreed that we would spend the last five minutes kind of deciding which one of these outcomes we'd move forward with. So, and we both agreed that we would decide. So um, anything other than like a, yes, let's move forward. Here's the next steps. It would be a no for now. Which one of those two options are you comfortable moving forward with today? And you just call them out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then if they say no, would that be when you kind of ask for a little more information as to what, you know, maybe you could work on next time or in, in the future? Yeah. yeah, if they say no, be like, hey, what insights do you have for me 
that would help me to improve for future interviews. Yeah. I think that's really helpful. Um, people, I've heard of people who got jobs by being humble at the end like that. When they, when they were, when they found out, okay, I'm not going to get it. And, and that's okay. What can I do to get better? And then they actually like implemented, like you said, but, but not the job with that person, but they got the job with another person mm -hmm. because like, let's say I interviewed with Jake and Jake was like, dang, Julie's not really a good fit for my company, but I loved the way she really owned her opportunities. And it seemed like she was going to, I'd like to refer to someone else, you know, and, and that's, that's great. It's a, it's a good opportunity um, to, to find another job. You guys, there are a lot of people looking for jobs right now. So mm -hmm. you can't get beat up every time you, someone else gets picked over you. That doesn't mean you're not awesome. It just means there's a lot of awesome people out there, right? And there are. And I think one thing to consider is companies will more often hire people that have been directly referred from other employees over outside sources as well. Yes. And so if you have ever been in that situation where you're like, oh, that interview was awesome. I crushed it. They said that they loved me. Most likely than not, that's probably what happened is they had a, an internal person refer somebody and they always, for whatever reason, get the preferential treatment, right? But it's because they have that rapport. And if that person's already crushing it and they're like, hey, this person would do awesome here, then it's kind of a no brainer because they're also doing the risk evaluation with their candidates. And if they can get a referral or someone else is vouching for them, think about how much power that has. And so one side note to that is if you can get in with somebody within the company or even become friends with somebody and then they have you become their reference or their referral, then you're going to usually get bumped to the top of that list and have a way higher priority than other interviewees. And that's the truth. And that's why we say don't do spray and pray method, because I'm going to tell you right now, if there's anybody out there in the audience that got a job from spraying and praying, please raise your hand because I'd like to know. <laughs> I haven't heard of anybody who has before yet. No, um, I really haven't. Now, that being said, I did. I used to I used to say that that never happened to me. But I do remember there's this company that I used to work for. It's called Deco Lighting. It's a very cool company to work for. So if you guys are looking for jobs, they're very awesome. Really cool company. It just didn't work for me. Um, wasn't the best fit because it was a business to consumer. And I just uh, no offense, consumers, but it's just a tough gig, man. In that respect, I, I, I spent many years in the credit card um, sales, like telemarketing and stuff like that. And I just I just was ready. But Ego Lighting is hiring. And the, the thing that was really cool about it is, is that I did get it by spray and pray. But that was so random. Like that was they were like hiring everything for the most part. You guys, by the time that posting gets up there. And they get around to looking at the at the resumes or the or the applications that came through the LinkedIn job posting. They're already into interviews with other candidates. Mm -hmm. And so then you're coming from behind on the eight ball. Like the best the best opportunity is when you take your top 10 list, regardless of if they're hiring or not. You find the job within those top 10 companies that you could crush because, you know, you can. And then you chase after those jobs. And they might not be hiring right now, but you have no idea because the next thing you know, they're like, oh, actually, we're getting ready to hire in a couple of weeks. And now that I met you and you know what I mean? Like, so just don't limit yourself with that. Like, don't don't think that there's all kinds of rules because the rules are just not there when it comes to that. Right. Like, I don't know. Do you think that the company like I don't find most companies want to have to go into that population. They don't even want to go there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
So we we're almost done here for the night. So I, I thought it would be good to find out if you have one piece of advice for people who are out there job seeking or for like the new SDR, is there any piece of advice you have right now to give people to chase away, like not to be scared going into Monday? What, what, what do you think? Uh, for me, it would be, what do you have to lose? And I'll share a story from when I was a kid. Okay. Yes. So I'm, I'm four years older than my younger brother. And he and I were like best friends. We were like always in the thick of it. Thick as thieves, right? Getting into trouble together, just causing mayhem. And I remember a specific instance where, um, like, it was so dumb. Like, on school nights, we wanted to, like, have him sleep in my room, like, so we could have a sleepover, right? And feel like we were, like, having a sleepover. And my mom was always like, no way, because then you guys stay up too late. You'll play video <laughs> games. You won't go to school in the morning. It just causes too many hassles. And I was like, come on. And so I was trying to convince my little brother to just go ask her because I knew we didn't have much of a chance and he would have the better outcome if he were to ask. And so he went down and asked her, and he was like, ah, oh, she said no. And I was like, okay. And I was like, hey, it doesn't hurt to ask. Like, if you're not asking, if you're scared to do those things, because you never know what's going to happen, right? Right. So just put yourself out there. Do the things that are maybe a little uncomfortable. But think about it this way. You'll probably never talk to those people again. So if it goes horribly, who the heck cares? There's tons of other companies. So don't go into the week thinking like, oh, I'm going to blow it or I'm not comfortable. I'm not too confident. The way you build that confidence is just by doing, mm -hmm. getting those reps in, having that repetition, meet with other people like Julia Chanda or myself. Um, you're going to have so many opportunities to learn. And this, this community on LinkedIn is incredible in terms of sales help and people offer it for free all the time. And so reach out to somebody if you're not doing well and you're going to find the help you need, but just don't be scared to ask. Take that one insight with you. What do you have to lose? Don't be scared to ask because it's either a yes or a no. 50-50 chance. I love it. What do you have to lose? That is exactly. I'm going to actually use that advice for myself to this going into this week because, y'all, life is short. Um, if y'all are football fans, um, I am. And, like, what happened last week with DeMar? Wait, DeMar? How come every time I say his name? Is that his name? I don't know. But, um, he's I, I a get it wrong. Bills player who yes. um, on Monday Night Football got got injured. He's now, you know, still in critical condition, but he is breathing on his own and communicating, which is amazing. But you know, when that happened last Monday, I was like, oh my god! And it, I've been through a lot of life crisis, a lot. I've lost a lot of people, and I've been through a lot. And literally every stinking time, I have to say to myself oh my god life is so short like don't mm -hmm. take life it is so short like it is a gift every single day so we do have to remember that there's why not like why not there's nothing to be afraid of like the worst thing that can happen is that they're gonna say no and they're not gonna publicly embarrass you and even that wouldn't be that bad <laughs> right like because <laughs> like on the flip side it could be that the answer was yes and then you got the the job of your dreams so oh look at look at Whitney's she shared the um the Sandler um, link yep yes awesome yeah, anyone that wants to come crash a class come join us anytime you guys can be my VIP guest um just jump on that link schedule some time we'll be happy to have you guys it and is guys do so that. worth it yeah if you especially if you're job searching it's a great thing to do um one thing that I think people really like in interviews that I've gotten the job from the one thing that they've said has been good feedback is they like the fact that I'm always trying to be learn and be a better salesperson. And 
it's important. Like you, you can be in sales your whole entire career. You can never, ever be done learning about it. Not ever. It's, 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 there's no, there's no expert. Even the experts aren't the expert. It's always changing. Mm -hmm. And so always be learning. Um, It really is. Chris is so funny. It's a really small time. (laughs) (laughs) But, and I really appreciate that you came on with us today. Um, People, you guys in Sassy Sales Moms, um, we are there. If you guys ever want to do like mock interviewing, jump in and just message people or whatever like that. Um, We're all here to help each other. And even if you are interviewing, you can still help somebody by Mm -hmm. interviewing with them. And I promise you will learn so much. Like role playing with another person who's going through interviewing, just hearing them answer questions and and hearing other people that that's the best way to learn um we're not on an island we are like here together you guys so let's let's use each other that's exciting what about you shanda do you have any big advice for everyone going into the week it's gonna be an awesome week i know most people had a crazy week last week and it was um i was not a fan of 23 the first weekend but that's okay it's gonna be better like that I don't know, but I started complaining and then I heard about how everybody else's week went and I shut up real fast. I'm like, I have nothing to complain about. So it's going to get better. Just keep your mindset. Um, Like Julie said, if you need to reach out and do some role play, I'm all about it. I'm going to put my link tree and my Calendly up so you guys can get on my calendar and we can do stuff like that. Uh, Please, please, please take advantage of the link that Jake posted for us for the Sandler crash class. Don't be intimidated going in. It's a lot of people on there. I did not know anything. I still don't. I've been going, how many classes have I been to? Like six. I asked so many questions and they know that I just usually, I'll just sit there and stare at them. I'm like, I I don't even know what to answer. And so it it becomes like a thing. We just laugh about it. It's totally fine. Um, Everybody's there to learn. There's, it's impossible to know everything before you go. So it's, it's totally fine. Just come learn, marinate, rinse, repeat, marinate, come back. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Marinating is so important. It is important. Just, just sit there and just absorb it. Well, look, then this week, if everybody needs, some people need a do-over, like the good news is this is something that I had to tell myself last year when I was having an existential life crisis. And that was, you can, you can have a new year any day you, you do not need January 1st to have a fresh start. Okay. You can have a fresh start every Monday. That's why I like Monday so much, right? Like it's a new week every Monday. So let's do it. Let's hit tomorrow. Like it's the first Monday of 2020. Absolutely. Have our own do-over party (laughs) Um, and just keep doing it over until we're happy with how it works out. (laughs) That's the beauty about life, isn't it? Well, just keep going. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. Um, I hope you guys were as inspired by Jake as we were. We just, I mean, Shanda and I cannot even say enough Mm -hmm. about him. Well, Shanda's usually the one because she knows him much more than me, but. Well, I owe Jake up my got me my job. So yes, I will sing Jake's praises for a very, very, very long time because I'm incredibly grateful. Power dark social. Uh, see, that's how I feel about Mark and Jared and all mm-hmm. those guys. So yeah, you, you feel very, for when people see you and see your value, it's, mm-hmm. it's a huge impactful thing. Um, that, that is really awesome. So yay. Well guys, good luck to everybody this week. Um, we can't wait to see y'all next week. We're going to do 
Shannon and I are trying to get better at planning these ahead and giving you guys some advance <laughs> notice, but you know, that's a work in progress. We promise we're getting better at it, but we, we really are grateful to you. For the intention on. is there. The execution is just, you know, lagging. We're, we'll get there. We'll get there. I mean, this is our part time. You know, we're trying to do all the things. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, guys, have a good week and we will see you guys soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you.